We talked about California and animals, and then about college. He was surprised to hear that I was an instructor at the university, and he asked about the classes I taught and what I thought of my students. At two o'clock, he said goodnight, and I walked back to my room and smiled. What a nice meeting, I thought. The next morning, the whole household packed into Jenna's car and drove off to the beach. We trudged over sand dunes with bags of food, cooler, blankets, and towels, and came upon a perfect beach scene. Bright umbrellas, motionless sunbeams, glistening with sweat and lotions, radios blaring against the sound of the blue green water napping at the shore. We unfurled towels and T-shirts and shoes, I plopped down on a blanket with my detective novel. A few feet away, Chris was climbing out of his jeans. His legs were tapered like a colt's. His chest was broad. A few dark hairs curled up his belly from the waistband of his suit. I looked down quickly at my book. Aren't you coming in? Chris asked. I don't like swimming in the ocean, I said apologetically. I'm always wondering what's down in the water that I can't see. He hesitated. Well, I guess I'll go in without you then. He ran down to the water with long, easy strides. He ran through the waves, and as a curl of water surged to meet him, he dived under it. I watched the water looking for him. At last, he bobbed up between waves and began to swim in smooth strokes. I turned back to my book. The detective couldn't decide what time the murder had taken place. was floating on his back, just beyond where the waves were breaking.
the ocean slowly rocking him. The heat made me feel listless. I lay back and closed my eyes, half listening to the sound of the waves and a barking dog. A panting sound came closer and closer. Our spread of blankets grabbed a towel and began rubbing his face. His chest was heaving, dripping. His dark brown nipples taut and wet. I could see the bulge of his penis under his wetsuit. A hot flush spread across my chest. Water's nice and warm, he gasped. You should try it. No thanks, I said. down on his towel, his smooth brown back moving slightly as his breathing calmed. Drops of water, iridescent in the sun, hung on his curls. I wanted to scatter them with my hand. Instead, I jerked myself upright. 
I'm going for a walk, I said. See you later. I walked off down the beach, my blood pounding. The year I had first lived with a man, this Chris was probably learning to ride a tricycle. I had never been excited by a man this young, and I couldn't imagine him being excited by me. When I was his age, I had never desired anyone older. I decided that neither Chris nor anyone else would learn of my attraction.
must be a kind of blind love I can't see anyone but you afternoon, my body told me of his presence. He sat next to me on the trip home. The shoulder that touched his, the arm and thigh and knee that were next to him knew his every move. At dinner, I watched his full lips as he talked, and my own parted expectantly. As I rose to go to bed, I felt a witness between my legs. Chris caught up with me on my way up the stairs, Want to go for a drive or something? He's... So... He looks so friendly and open, so young. 
I felt so deceitful and messy with my hidden thoughts and sticky crotch. I couldn't believe he was offering what my body wanted. I don't think so, Chris, I said. I'm pretty tired. Guess it is kind of late, he said. See you tomorrow. Good night. the door to my room and felt like crying. I got into bed with my detective novel. I didn't want to think about Chris or anything else. I kept squirming under the sheet, my body warm and restless. I read, wishing the story would speed up. I kept squirming under the sheet, my body warm and restless. wishing the story would speed up. The detective still hadn't figured out when the damn murder had taken place. I kept squirming under the sheet, my body warm and restless. Finally, I sighed, turned out the light, and began stroking a familiar path between my thighs. I let my fingers drift upward across my stomach and up my chest. My fingertips teased my nipples, caressing them to stiffness. I opened my eyes to see the light from his room and framing my door. Then I shut them and let my hand begin to comb through a tangle of pubic hair. My mind roamed swiftly through a catalog of fantasies, selecting the ravishment. The fingers became a probing tongue, hot breath surrounding it, sending a fire through my thicket of hair. A hand reached from behind me to play endlessly with my breasts. Another greedy tongue stroked and sucked and pushed my own. The image of Chris's face intruded, 
his lashes blackly wet as he bent over a towel. A penis rubbed against my ass, throbbing at the feel of my skin. A woman's nipples teasing me erect, nuzzled mine. The tongue of my vulva probed one side of my clit. I imagined Chris at the doorway, watching my ravishment hungrily.
and so young I felt so deceitful and messy with my hidden thoughts and sticky crotch detail of our physical description our vulnerability and the often confessional quality of our speech in this Yo, new man, territory. Yo, man, we gonna go to the amphitheater and rock them, man, you know All what right, I'm right. saying? 
Ain't nothing to it but to do it. You know it, man. You know, because we going to rock them, man, because we got the fresh stuff. You know, you know it. You know that. You know it. Here's a little story that must be told. About two cool brothers that were put on hold. They tried to hold us back for fortune and fame. They destroyed the crew and killed the name. They, they tried to step on the ego and walk on the pride. But true blue brothers stand side by side through. Thick and thin. From beginning to end. This battle we lost. But the war will win. Cause double, double trouble is in the house. I'm cake and rock and rock. See, we'll turn it out. Well, I'm cake and rock well because it raised a lot of hell. I love to make love to the judge of yeah, females. Yeah. And down with the crew from off the hill. Yeah. Well, I'm literally rocking the CN. Yeah, uh -huh. I want yeah. my name to go down in history. I want to be greater than George Washington. Because yeah. I can rock any party from sun to sun. And together, forever, we're, we're number, number one. one. Double, double trouble is in the house. Don't you know double trouble's gonna turn it out, y'all? Double trouble, 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 double Chantilly lace and a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down, wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Make the world go round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big eyed girl to make me act so funny, make me spend my money, make me feel real loose like a long neck goose, like a girl. Oh, baby, that's what I like. What's that, baby? But. Chantilly lace and a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Lord, make the world go round, round, round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big-eyed girl to make me act so funny, make me spend my money, make me feel real loose like a long-necked goose or like a girl. Oh, baby, that's the one I like. What's that, honey? Pick you up at eight. And don't be late. But baby, I ain't got no money, honey. <laughs> oh, all right, honey, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face, ponytail hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Low, made the world go round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big eyed girl. Right. 
He went away, and you hung around and bothered him.
led me over to the bed. Above the low futon was a picture that dazzled me. It was a large nude about four feet long, and the reclining woman looked a little like me. I touched one of my breasts and almost reached out to touch one of hers. Philip noticed my gesture, but did not comment on the picture. He seemed to enjoy watching me look at it. Indeed, the woman who was lying on her side had gray-blue eyes shaped similarly to mine with heavy lids. Her mouth looked quite like mine. However, her nose was much longer and narrower, and her hair, partly covered by a veiled riding cap, was strawberry blonde. Philip reached from behind and put his arms around me, caressing me as I looked at the picture. There was an expression in the woman's eyes that made me long for a mirror to see if my eyes were capable of such a lascivious abandon. Suddenly I was lowered onto the futon. Philip crouched down beside me, whispering, Nina. The name itself excited me. I could smell him, and I could still taste him in my mouth. spreading my legs open on the bed and kissing my thighs. His tongue was thick and wet. When he started licking my pussy, I felt for my own breasts and squeezed them. Although modest by nature, I found myself opening my legs wider and thrusting my cunt into his face.
What is this, the Norman Lubop Choir? <laughs> You're making enough noise here to wake up a parking meter. Oh, come on, Oscar, don't do such a thing. Yeah, this is a sing-along, Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Come on. You got a song for us once you I'll give you a sing-along. I'll give you a song that I think is tops. If you keep up this racket, I'm calling the cops. She makes me mad, mad, mad. She makes me
When his friends all play dress up, old Bert has to fess up. Yeah, I'm always the one in the skirt, and I don't.
drifting down. Drifting down. And this wave of relaxation spreads down your neck and into your shoulders. Letting go of any tightness or tension in the muscles there. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Patrick O. Namaste. Every Monday at 6 p.m., it's Joke Workshop, streaming live on mutinyradio.fm. Lift the veil from your third eye on joke creation and what it takes to be a stand-up comic in the five shakasanas of San Francisco's comedy scene. This all-ages open mic invites comedy Oh, pre-sign by Venmoing 2 to $5 at Mutiny Radio. Join us live for a small and special audience at the Mutiny Radio studio and gallery performance space, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street in the deep, deep, deep mission. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Does my ponytail look cool? Thank you. Namaste. Tuesday used to be the most unlikely night for fun. But every week at 6 p.m., come to OMG's Tuesday Open Mic. And see comics work out new material for free. For free. They get your Tuesday night party on with two-for-one well drink specials during the 6 to 8 p.m. show. Check out Eventbrite to reserve your free seat every Tuesday, 6 p.m. At OMG on Savory 6th Street. Savory 6th Street. Show up to go up. Come watch your favorite John Hughes 80s films through a whole new lens. We'll have the subtitles on and the volume low while a panel of feminists critique these beloved movies that shaped a generation with sexist, classist, homophobic, racist plots and characters and settings along with a healthy dose of damage property. Hosted by staunch feminist Pam Benjamin at Mutiny Radio, join us 2.15 for 16 Candles with Lauren Kraut and Emma Brennan. 3-1, The Breakfast Club with Spencer Devine and Dominic Delgadillo. 3-15, Pretty in Pink with Nina G and Allison Reynolds. And 3-28, Some Kind of Wonderful with Mel Michelle. 
Hey, it's really exciting. We're going to be here, 278 121st Street, screening John Hughes Films with you, 6 o'clock, every other Wednesday, Mutiny Radio. Hey, kids. It's your pal, Spider-Man. <laughs> Sorry, Spiderman. Mortimer Spiderman. When I'm not swinging through the senior facility, best in Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the Rhino, I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of 21st and Florida. They got some schlemiels doing the laugh laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate 2 to $5 on... Hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses. The print's too small. Venmo? That's not real. What is that, Swedish? You knew that, right? This is in San Francisco. I'll drown it on. I'll, it's nap time. The year is 2023. Oh, I wish that laughter had value and the unexpected laugh was priceless. Worry not. True entertainment has brought us a savior in whosthatlive.com. Oh, finally, an escape from the apocalyptic nightmare I live in. You can go to whosthatlive.com and buy comedy tickets. And you're in the raffle, I guess. True, 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 true productions. Weekly comedy at the best neighborhood bar in the city. Join your friends from Mutiny Radio every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Bar on Dolores at 29th and Dolores. Starting after any very important sports game that might happen to be on, you're guaranteed a night of laughter for free. And when paired with the drink specials and the nicest bartender in San Francisco, it'll become a Thursday ritual. Show up to go out for comics, and please reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite so we know you're coming to laugh. is when the comedy is the cheapest. Happy hour, the most free two hours of hour-long comedy on the radio and internet streaming live at 2781 21st Street. Come down, be in the audience. Dog-friendly. Dog fri- we are. Mutiny Radio is absolutely dog-friendly. A dog party. Ain't no party like a dog party. <laughs> dog party at Mutiny Radio. Every Friday, dog party at Mutiny Radio. Happy hour. <laughs> 2781 21st Street. Happy hour. Mutiny Radio. Dot FM. Here in Dot SF. Calling all crusties, punks, and poses. Pick your posteriors up off the pavement. Pack up your pins and patches and prepare to party. The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday only at the SeaTac Expo Center. Whether you're a leather lover or just a denim demon, if you're looking to dress to impress for less, do not stress. You'll find all the best in pre-distressed fest right here at the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest. With over 40 vendors selling countless crossover styles, you'll find the perfect thing for your scene. Metal, thrash, Walmart, high-vis, and everything in between. All in one place. One day only. Unless it's a jacket. If you need a jacket, take your square ass somewhere else. Never pay for fabric you don't need and ditch the sleeves, but save the rest for the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest this Saturday only at SeaTac. Bring a can of PBR, get it half price. Daddy, Daddy, what are we going to do today? At 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, over there 
at the parklet in front of Atlas Cafe for Titans of Comedy. That That's Titans of Comedy. Apparently, they've got great sandwiches, cafe drinks, and even some of my favorite beverages, like beer, wine, and sangria. All the things I drink to forget your mother. My new Uncle Blake says you smell like a brewery. What did I say about interrupting me? Anywho, right here on 20th and Alabama in the Deep Mission, paired with tasty comedy from Bay Area's favorite comics. For free! Every Saturday, or at least the two Saturdays a month that the court mandates I have to see you. It's sunshine, and even in a drizzle, but not too much. Hey, Daddy, remember after soccer practice when it was raining and you didn't come? I really don't. Anywho. You take it with the freezers. Reservations on Eventbrite. Talk in public schools. In tri-level dual world of stand-up comedy, laughter has value and the unexpected laugh is priceless. Who is that live.com? Comedy local shows on sale now. Everyone that purchases a ticket will automatically be entered into a true drawing. Who wants to focus on the genre of stand-up comedy and those that, who's that? Go to whoisthatlive.com for upcoming shows. Double Wednesdays. Join us on a Double journey Wednesdays. into the absurd. Double
It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! No, it's, it's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman! Hey! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Wow, what a long acronym. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. That is a long acronym, and it's been long for a long time of years. That is... That is yeah. one year's name. Six years, seven years. You know, uh, I think we're approaching. That's why uh, we have two listeners. LW. And what was it again? Oh, yeah. The other listener thinks they're listening to the LWAF podcast, long-winded as fuck, <laughs> which is two guys watching Netflix shows. So, but we're not that. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube, as our acronym describes. Right now, we're on mutinyradio.fm every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Following Found Round Sound with Scott O. Last week I called him Steve O. Oh, Scott O. Yeah, Scott O. We're also right now on YouTube as we are every week. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, L W A F L M O Y T, for the full experience. But you can DYI it today uh, by listening to our podcast and watching a full-length movie on YouTube at the same time. That's the premise. That's what the acronym stands for. Why do you need to know this acronym, Carl? We have a podcast, too. You can find it by searching L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So you have three options right now. You're listening to us on Mutiny Radio Sunday. You're watching our YouTube channel, or you're listening to our podcast. And all we ask in return why don't you donate some money to Mutiny Radio? Go ahead to Venmo and send a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. Uh, Carl, gosh, good to see you, man. Good what movie are we you. watching? Oh, I should mention, Carl is a co-host. Gotcha, Carl. Uh-huh. That, means, that means he wrote the theme song. He produces and edits the show. He interviews a celebrity comedian who will do our countdown to the movie today. And he researches the movie every week. But for today, it's the switcheroo. Carl asked me to research and watch several times a movie and presented today. Carl, what was that movie? That was Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. Green, that's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. The channel we like is Aminat Oldies. Aminat Oldies. Terrific. Well, I'm really excited about that. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. And you know what, Carl? Maybe if we're good, if we're good, and I don't have to pull this car over, I will sing you the folk song, Green Grows the Rushes. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, are you? I don't think you are. Well, I'm pretending. I don't think you want to know what this is about. Do you want to know what it's about? Well, it's, there's rushes, and they grow, and when they grow, they appear green. Oh, so okay, fair enough. Do Do you know the the REM cover, Green Rush, the Green Grow the Rushes? Okay, so I did watch this film, and when I Why? searched for it, yeah, okay, 
Well, I mean, just so I wasn't out of context. I didn't do yeah. any re I only watched right. it once. I hardly Fair paid enough. attention. And yeah. I did see REM come up. Now, I was an REM fan. I thought I knew everything they did. I did not know they did. They did a song called Greengrass and Rushes. And if I can understand what the fuck he's saying, I think it is the, the folk song, which I will sing at the end. Okay. You know how... You know how the 12 days of Christmas is Christmas is Christmas, Christmas but it's not Christmas because we're not singing about anything Christian? Yeah, it's the same song, but mm -hmm. every single night there's a fucking something about religion in it. So we're going to have to wait till the end of this movie. Man, we got a packed show for you tonight. Not only did we have an amazing introduction, we are going to watch Greengrass the Grushes. Go ahead into your searches. Search for it. Okay. And the YouTube search engine, everyone put in Green Grow the Rushes, right. 1951. And the channel we like again was, what is an oldies? You're not going to find a lot of channels. I'm a nuts oldies, right. It's the only movie version of Green Grass the Grushes. Yo. They did it again. Green Grass. Green Grows oh. the Rushes. Oh, oh God. Fuck. And I think right. that, that title has nothing to do with this film. I mean, they're in a marsh. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of Mr. Show. They could call it flippity do, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 crazy British farce. Uh green grass aggressive. So go ahead, hit that link, hit pause, Again. move to zero zero zero. What am I not pronouncing the name? Green pronouncing isn't the right word. You're using different words. <laughs> green grush the grushes grow. Right. Green grush the grushes. Nineteen fifty one. That's what you don't put in the YouTube search engine. Listen, so we did the introduction. We told them where to go. They got the link. We're about to launch into a pre-recorded interview Carl did with a celebrity comedian who yeah. is going to launch us into the movie. So yeah. we have, yeah. And then we'll be watching the movie. And at the end, I will sing this fucking song. All right? So what Thank a pack. You, <laughs> you know, most of these bad movie podcasts, Carl, they're two hours long because they talk about the movie. Ours is two hours long because we talk over the entire movie. Right. Right. Much better. Okay. All right, so we're going to kick this off, Carl. I am obviously very animated and excited to see this movie. So let us meet Carl. With He's going to talk to a celebrity comedian. We'll learn about the celebrity comedian, and then they will do the countdown. And when they say go, hit go, and we'll see you then. I'll see you then. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Bahe Ho. Welcome, Bahe. Thank you so much. Fantastic to be here. I'm Mike Spiegelman. I'm on this interview too. I'm a good friend with Vahe, and I'm glad to have you on the celebrity comedian countdown portion of our show. Usually, Thanks. these interviews are conducted by Carl. We're going to pick your brain, Vahe. I know Vahe is a comedian in San Francisco, a very funny comedian, and also probably one of the best showrunners, has the best show, better than Cheaper Than Therapy, better uh -huh. than The Punchline. Better than anything you're going to see. In fact, it, it's baked in the title, The Best of SF Stand-Up Showcase. Uh, Vahe, what led you into doing this? How did this happen? The show? The one yeah. that we've been doing for eight years? Um, well, I always knew I kind of wanted to have my own show because it's kind of nice. It gives you a lot of artistic freedom to experiment in whatever way you want because nobody can tell you that like they don't want you doing that, um, except the audience. And the audience hasn't told me that. Like, the audience, you know, we've developed kind of a, a little bit of a following of people who, like, know where the show is every Friday, and they come back, and we feature the best comics in San Francisco, like Mike. In the title. Yeah, it's right there in the title. And uh, 
It's fun. So how did it come about? Yeah, I just, I just, um, well, we did a show for Variety, and then I approached them afterwards, and I was like, because it went so well, it was awesome. And uh, I was like, hey, do you want to work on like a regular show? And uh, they said, yeah. And so we did that. And it wasn't through like, without like their great cooperation, it wouldn't be possible because like, we certainly went through a lot of rough and rocky times. And I think Mike, you were probably there for many of those. Yeah, I should say, full disclosure, I worked the door for Vahe uh, for several years. The Variety Theater is one of the best theaters. It is one of the weird hidden gems in San Francisco. It's, it's a critics uh, theater screening room where for during the 90s I went once, uh, but they all, you, all the critics would see the movies there, and it's run by the Variety Theater, which is a charity group that does these charity runs and does uh, Vahe's live show. Now, what got you into comedy, though, Vahe? I mean, what was the reason? What was your voice? Um, so always as a as a child, like in school, I was like making people laugh and trying to like be silly. I was like always like the silly kid, you know. And uh, I think I was always like trying to, because there was a lot of seriousness around me all the time. I felt like I think I grew up in a, like a serious environment and stuff, and uh, I was trying to like break through that. And then in high school, I did some like on stage stuff, and it went like really well. So then I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I moved down to San Diego, and I started making trips to, like, the Laugh Factory. Um, but there's a comedy store on Pearl Street that I would go to um, sometimes and, like, some other stuff. And at that time, I think I was, like, 17 when I went up at the, the Laugh Factory the first time. And I told this story on Zoom. It was funny because, like, I went up on stage. I was really nervous. And uh, I went to the bathroom beforehand. And uh, I... So I, then I go up on stage, and uh, everyone starts, like, laughing, and I think I'm doing really well, but it turns out my zipper is down. I didn't my <laughs> Classic. Right of passion. Right of uh, comedy. Yeah, and then the guy, you know, uh, what's the guy's name, like, Jamie Trevor? I, I went up and, like, talked to him after that, and I don't even know if he saw, because I think he would have mentioned something about the zipper being down. Like, you know how he gives advice to people? So he told me, like, do comedy. It was either a hundred more times or a thousand more times, and then come back. So in other words, don't come back for like a really long time. But I think it was cool that he like did that for comics, you know, because he was like the owner. I don't know if he still does that or what, but I didn't go there a ton of times because it was like an hour away from where I was going to school. But when I did, I got that feedback from him. It was like a cool thing. So. Uh, yeah, it's the importance. I mean, the, the shows are for the audiences, but it also really does help comics to have like a kind of a solid place to, to go from. Pretty memorable. One of the things you guys did during the pandemic, I, so I was working with you, and there was a big argument of whether or not you should run the show. I think it was March of 2020 at the time. And you guys went off and went virtual uh, doing interviews and then kicked off probably one of the most successful still-running Zoom shows out there. How do you feel with having that title? <laughs> um, it's cool. I like it because I like doing the show and stuff, but I think Zoom comedy does have like a bad connotation. I think people associate it with the pandemic and also it it kind of removes like the person-to-person -person element of stand-up which I think many comics like hold so dear um, but it is a form of human connection and I think it will be around in the future and I think you know based on the people that come you were on the show last night it was a lot of fun yeah and you had a hundred audience members and uh, uh, it was they all have a kind of a community thing it, it was it was pretty rock solid you know, I feel like Zoom shows are like CNN. Like, once there's a national emergency, everyone's clicking onto it, you know. We just have to wait for another uh, another pandemic. But 
I, I do think like the the cat's out of the bag, and and you guys run a real pro professional show too. Like, um, you had some notoriety because somebody fucked on uh, live. Can I bring that up? I don't I don't want to albatross you, but uh, aren't you the show where someone fucked on live? A couple fucks. Uh, yeah, but it was like a tasteful fuck, you know. It was like it was like one of those like softcore porn movies. It wasn't like a hardcore. Right. But, uh, I mean, you know, the way I, I think about that is like during the pandemic, we all did a lot of crazy shit, you know? <laughs> and I think we should all get like a pass for those couple years. I mean, geez, like there's enough holding people accountable for every little thing. It's like, can we get like a pass during the pandemic? I mean, yeah, they had yeah. sex. I personally don't think sex is like a dirty, bad thing, personally. But yeah, a lot of people thought it was bad. Well, they came. They came to see the show. They came. They were focusing on stand up and yeah. any kind of extra stuff. They probably didn't appreciate it. Maybe I doubt it. But they they came for the comedy, so they they probably said this isn't the comedy. Let you know. Yeah, and I think our name can be misleading because it's a very like generic and kind of sp but also specific name, you know. But we, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella. You know, we add like a lot of personal uh, kind of touch to what we do, and I, I think some people yeah. are like. They think it's like this thing, and, and I think we've struggled with that because it is kind of a poor like marketing communication, I guess, in a way. But uh, but no, that was fun and that was memorable, and I don't regret that happening. Is there any like uh, suitable for work uh, crazy accidents happen on, on the Zoom show you want to bring up? Something that hasn't happened on a live show or? Hmm. or... Well, like it's always funny when you like tell a joke and then you hear someone like flush the toilet. You know, like, they, like um, it really gives like uh, it's always such a humbling experience to do Zoom comedy. Like honestly, I think it keeps my ego in check. I have like a problem sometimes with my ego, and I think it like has kept me extremely humble. So, um, but yeah, crazy stuff. I mean, the nakedness. People like we get the Zoom bombers, and it's funny because the Zoom bombers they come on and they mess with the show, and I'm like, you know, we have like an open mic portion. Of Show. like you can actually do a set you don't have to like do whatever you're doing and then after i said that i was like we want you to be like part of the show like we love the energy they bring because like anybody who logs on to do anything it's like they're bringing some kind of energy to what you're doing and uh so we kind of like worked a few of them into the fold and they're like really young kids you know yeah so, and honestly it's scary like i hope that's not representative of all the young kids out there because like no that's all that's the young kids future, as a country then we're kind of like yeah so you got to pipe pipe for them into the right direction, Bahe. You got to be the ringleader in the future. Yeah, I think Tom's wanna... great for that. Yeah. yeah. One thing, so your live shows and your virtual shows are kind of crash landing together. Can you talk about your upcoming live event? Uh, granted, it's Halloween right now, but uh, you have you and uh, Christopher are doing a show at the Moscone Center. Yeah, so we got an email from this uh convention uh fan expo at moscone sf and they're like do you guys want to stream or no they said record what you're doing on our like stage at the conference and uh i was like hell yeah i was like but we do a live stream and then he said at the moscone center the wi-fi is really bad so they, they don't won't do a live stream but they'll do like a three camera shoot recording where they like edit it like people edit it and stuff and it'll be seen live like from the people who were there and i was like obviously i really wanted to do that so so um, it would be a live so people can go to the convention see this live and then you guys will edit it as a as a zoom show and then post it on youtube or on your socials yeah 
Yeah, and I think like they're going to give us a lot of freedom in terms of what we do because this has evolved and now it's like a competition, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, you competed last night. I thought I got three percent to the vote. Three percent. Yeah, that that's myself because as a comedian, I learned you always vote for yourself. You're you are the funniest person in the room at all times. Totally. Otherwise, yeah. no one's going to say that. So you always have to that's vote for so yourself. Right. Yeah. There was yeah. a one new time comic last night. God bless this gregarious gentleman. Uh, as loquacious as he was yesterday, he's like, I didn't vote for myself. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not a comic. That was his first time performing, so he hasn't learned that lesson. Yet. I know. Well, it's it's stuck, it's it stuck out to me. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to uh, influence. I didn't want to encourage him. But, you know, you got to be cold to the new comics. They got to have a thick skin. Yeah, totally. I think he'll learn that. And Because uh, if you don't vouch for yourself, like, everyone else is like, got – you know, a lot of comics are mostly focused on themselves. You know, they're not really in the business of helping like other comics so much. And I get it because it's so hard just to help yourself. Well, it's also a sole proprietorship, and and you have to be driven, which means you're going to fuck people over if you really want want what you get. It's, that's why you're driven, quote unquote. That's oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never fucked anyone over that I know of, um, and. That's probably why I'm not successful. So, like, yeah, you gotta yeah. keep your eye on your prize. You gotta put your blinders on, and you gotta fuck everybody around uh, around <laughs> you to get to what you want. And then you get it. And then you then you uh, I don't know. Fuck off. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Vahe, uh, I was, so let's let's get some uh, uh, links where people can find you as a comedian, uh, your dates, uh, and also your this show that's Runaway uh, live and virtual. Okay, yeah, so the virtual show is virtualcomedy.net. Um, virtualcomedy.com was taken, which is weird. Uh, Pandemic. Yeah, and then uh, bestofsfstandup.com is, like, for the live show. The classy room is a classy show. It has great, great, uh, I mean, these are seats for critics to sit down and watch John Leguizamo in the past. So you know these are the softest, greatest ass hugging seats you're ever going to experience for a live performance like you know yeah. it's a great room which kind of works against it i think at times but... oh they get too comfy yeah because you don't want to be too comfy it's a common known fact right that you don't want to be too comfy during a comedy show i guess so. yeah you got to keep the cold the temperature cold cool uh so we got all your links we are now at the part of the uh interview of the celebrity comedian countdown where you our celebrity comedian will do a countdown to our movie this week Bye. Take it away. Okay. So, uh, three, two, one, go. All right. Well, thank you so much, celebrity comedian. Oh, good. You're going to act in this film. Yeah. Green grow the rushes, as I've been saying. <laughs> we You've been have saying a, something. I've been saying something. This is the Marsh, Carl. This is great. No, this is the United Kingdom. Great Britain for sure. You know, I love I've seen... the accents in this film. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. Because we have a powerhouse of actors in this movie, and two of them are definitely known for their voices, and, and they crank it out. I'm talking about Roger Liverie, who is the captain in this movie, and then of course we have young Richard Burton. Yeah, very young. <clears throat> well, you know, he's a. I did a little research, Carl. I. Went to Wiki and I went to IMDb, but for Richard Burton, I watched a movie called In From Out the Cold, In From mm -hmm. In From the Cold, 
a portrait of Richard Burton. It was a 1965 documentary. That's that early. Well, you know, it was Cleopatra was 63, so they were three ring circus at the time with that okay. marriage. Yeah. So you know, but oh, by the way, any resemblance to any living person, the actual event coincidence would be a miracle. Oh, this must be a farce. <laughs> this must be a bureaucracy. <laughs> and sure enough, here is a beautiful southeast England, Kent. And here comes bureaucrats oh, with their boom. bowler hats. Bowler hats and their glasses. Now, these three guys each have their own personality for bureaucrats, and they're going to like diss on each other throughout the film. It's a, I have to say, this film is really good with characters. Uh-huh. But I want to just call out this moment. So they, they arrive to this marshy area, and they control this land. And the way it's shot, this guy, Nigel Twist, the director, look at this. They they hover over the land. They look like go- bureaucratic gods that own this area. <laughs> Isn't that a re- it's remarkable, right? To start yeah. this movie off like that, it's pretty cool. Look at them. They're gods. Surveying all they survey. They're actually from the uh, agriculture, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and Fishery. Gotcha. And they're down here in Angela de Pong. I forgot the name of it. I have it. But basically. All this marshland is not being used for farming. That is, people are starving out there. People need their, yeah, you know. And they talk a lot about the history. So I guess, like, I don't know anything about America, right? So if you we watch a movie about the South and they believe that they run themselves and they have mm-hmm. a, a bootlegging Upon. operation, you know, they're gator and they're doing. I would be like, yeah, makes sense to me. So this movie is kind of similar. So this area has history. Like, uh, they talk about Henry III a lot in this. Yeah, Henry III III decreed that they are, they govern themselves. They have autonomy over themselves. So they have a charter. They have a a corporation charter, and they actually have Charter Day, which they're going to celebrate in this movie. But they have their own magistrates. Magistrate. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so this bureaucracy group is ready to take over the land, but they're going to butt heads with them. And one thing they're going to mention, which is very romantic, is that this area was known for bootlegging. Smuggling. Yeah, like brandy in particular. And But that was the old days, Carl. They don't have it now. But they're right. curious, like, how come these farmers have great houses and they don't have any uh, – they have a couple cows grazing. That's about it. All right, so here's one of them. Smuggling. Uh, this guy is always sick. I've been sick for two years. I have these colds. He's got a two. He's got a cold. How's your cold this morning? Same as ever. Same as ever. Now, could it be allergies? Hmm. What do you think it is? Okay, so here's Gill, Colonel Gill, and he's being interviewed by Honor Blackman, who we don't have any Star Trek connections. Yeah, closest we do. Closest we have to a Star Trek connection is her, Honor Blackman, who has been in every single iconic British TV show. (laughs) I would say the Avengers. She's dressed okay. up in leather. Uh, she was in Coronation Street in the two thousands, famous sitcom. But and how does she tie into Star Trek ever so loosely? Well, she was also in Doctor Who during the eighties. Okay. And she was in The Saint with Roger Moore. So she Moore. doesn't tie into Star Trek what? at all. Yeah, Star Trek is, a, is an iconic American show. American, a show. Not yeah. Well, English. what the fuck is Doctor Who? Fucking the Avengers and the Saint. I mean, you can't They're get more iconic. Trek. But the uh, uh, <laughs> they're iconic. 
You would rather watch Star Trek over the Avengers? The, well, the that's TV an interesting show. question. It depends on my mood, but I guess yes. So if you want to jerk off to women in leather, then the Avengers. Well, Avengers is not going to have a green girl. Now, that's some jer jerk-off fodder right there. Okay. Wow, these are great conversations we'd like to have. So, uh, and she's also obviously known, there she is, for uh, playing Pussy Galore and Goldfinger. That's Whoa! Really? Yeah, that's her. Terrific! And she died 94 years old in, 20, in the year 2020. That's great, 94. That's a ripe old age. Now, he goes, what, are you laughing at this? And she goes, no, it's just the way my face was made. Looks like I'm laughing all the time. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah. Basically, the, the marshland, you know, he's talking about this charter, the corporation. Liberty. And... <clears throat> Liberty. Oh, they're right, the Liberty. Liberty Charter. And that's why they called it that, because they they're autonomous. Now, this is actually based on a novel. A uh, guy named is Howard Clo uh, Chloe Clues. The best thing I can say about him is that Howard Clues. So like uh, like Daniel Clues, Clues, I guess. Okay, if it was Howard Clues, he'd be like the rich guy, the aviator. Howard Hughes. A lot of OCD. A lot of OCD. Uh, no, it's like, I guess Clues, like Daniel Clues, it's C-L-E-W-E. He also okay. wrote a book uh called the uh long memory and one of the oh the long memory when i got to the end of that book i at close i i closed do you, what was the long memory about i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah take that uh yeah and it's uh, his, that book was also about the, the marshy south uh east area of england there is so like she's a, a reporter, and she was interviewing him about these what these interlopers who are going to try to government whammy jammy them, force them to have farms. Oh, ah, here, he here he is. Let's take a listen. There he is. That's the voice. Richard Burton. Richard Jenkins. You know, he had a... Yeah, he had a fucked up family. Well, he was... There was 13 kids in the Jenkins family. Okay. Uh, I have 11 siblings, but I, it was 13 because two died in their infancy before I was born. Okay, so they count. Yeah, he sounds like Kevin... Uh, he sounds like uh, Catherine Hepburn. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was the second youngest. Uh, their mom died after the final kid was born. And it was like a shitty area of Wales. He was from South Wales. I wonder and... if all his big brothers were like, yeah, you little punk. And then he became huge famous. He became the biggest brother. At Thanksgiving, they, they're like, hmm. This 1965 stuff. documentary interviews his oldest brother who lost uh -huh. his foot working in the pit. Like, you either worked in the steel mine yeah. My town was called, it meant it was a bridge because it covered two bridges. We lived under the bridge. <laughs> so his, his oldest brother uh, worked in the steel mill and he lost his foot working in the fucking coal pit. Mm -hmm. So, and they were making, he was the only one who could work in that family. And he was making like, I don't know, pennies on the dime, whatever. Right. It, was, it was some, so yeah. 
Vernon did this for the money, man. Like he, so basically his story was that uh, he, when his mother died, he moved into his sister's house, who was married to some guy, right. and he got him into school. He got himself into Oxford because there was an acting teacher, Mister okay. Philip Burton, okay. who saw something in ah. this young fourteen-year-old. Philip and, Burton, okay. Yeah, so he went up to Sis, C-I-S, which is the name of one of the sisters. Like he's this this female okay. and uh they said i would like to adopt you uh, richard and she's like yeah take him we got plenty i don't know see, see it was heartbreaking they talked really? about it so he adopted he became the philip vernon was 20 days younger like there was a limit like to adopt a kid to say right. i'm dad your son you have to be exactly 20 years apart they were 20 days shy of that. So he had to become a legal guardian for Richard Burden. Not a father, a right. legal guardian. Okay. So, and he went off and he went to Oxford. And when the war started, this movie is 51. So in 41, he got recruited in this thing. The RAF had, is it RAF? R-E-F? Royal uh, Air Force. R-A-F, Royal Air Force. Royal as fuck. Anyway, so they... <laughs> <laughs> They had this program where he would act and then go to school for acting half the day and then half the time. And then the other half, he's in the RAF. Okay. So he started acting on stage. He became, oh, the globe. They offered me 10 pound a, a week and I took it. And then my friend said, Richard, you should go back and ask for more. And then the, he did. And then the producer said, fine. He goes, you talked to that old Welsh bulldog didn't you the other guy so yeah he was like he was doing shakespeare and he started acting his british films and this is one of the british films he acted in now mike we got an audience you got to tell them what they're up to right now and how they got there is, it, is that how it happens well right now she's investigating this dubious uh well, no, no, it's duck hunting he made it a, she made an agreement right the father She's the father, like owns the newspaper or something, and no, no, not even. Well, the father's not alive, is he? He's in the boat right now. The, it's uh, her father. It's her father. She's really more spying on Richard Burton, though. I think, like, she went out there. Well, I thought it was a coincidence. She goes out duck hunting because she mentioned it with her. She agreed with her father, and then she, you know, this boat. She, she it, it just shows up. I, she doesn't know that Richard Burton's out there. Well, you know, her father does. Her father was a bootlegger, it's revealed. Her uh -huh. father was in on everything. And they're like, should we let her in on it? I told her. And they're like, she's just a mash girl. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. You know. Now, what are they drinking? Like, they drink coffee in this movie, but it's I think she's coffee. pouring tea. Yeah, it's coffee. They're not no, really. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know what the contents are. It very well could be tea. But every drink they have in this movie is coffee. They even, it even ends with them opening a cafe. What, what, what you're forgetting about all the booze, dude. But I'm not talking about I'm talking about when they drink. They don't drink tea. They drink coffee. Okay. Okay. Now, here we go. Here's old suspect. See, Going down the river. He, just, he just happened upon her. He did. She wasn't out there to spy. She, she was now becomes a spyer. She'll start spying. Well, she was. She didn't trust. Like, oh, I see. There she goes. <laughs> this is me. And then he duck on. Hey, Carl, what you doing? Quack quack. Hey, quack quack. Good, Carl. What you doing? Quack quack. Did <laughs> you hear my duck impression? What's with the rifle, Carl? 
Yeah. Hey, where's your duck thing? You know, the fake ducks? Oh, I don't need that. Quack! <laughs> Quack! I'm not the spending idea. my money on that. Well, you gotta you gotta use a uh, something that sounds like a seductress duck to call their attention. So here we go. Quack! Quack! So oh, Richard is letting the cock with the cold go by. Uh huh. As he's sneaking around. Now look at him, man. He looks great. He doesn't look great in that documentary in '65. Uh -huh. He's like chain smoking. Now, Carl, you said you picked this movie because of Richard Burden. Mm -hmm. What is your association with Mr. Burden? Uh, well, uh, we're not lovers. Uh, I don't know where you heard that from. No, the truth is, I was just browsing around YouTube. I think you were having some trouble with come. I don't know, but I came upon it. It was Richard Burton, a huge star. It's uh -huh. 1951, so you can trust that there's not going to be ads. It's in black and white, so it's going to take us to an earlier time, and it was full of accents. No, so but I'm talking about, like, you, you said you singled out Richard Burton. Like, what is your perception of Richard Burton? Like, no, no, I didn't. I, I just, he's a major star, and... Well, what is your fucking perspective of Richard Burton, then? Like, oh, the... oh, I think Richard Burton's a bum. I think he's okay. a loser. Okay, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, no, well, he, they, he and, and, and Enabler Girl were just total alcoholics, and it ruined them. Of course, And look, of course they, they don't stay married and stuff. Okay, now, take him on the screen, and I think he's magnificent. Yeah. I think that that movie, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, what a trip! I, I think that Richard Burton as an actor, and not in this film, is very powerful. He holds his own in this film. It's not his film to take, though. It's, no, it's, it's not. He's not the main character or anything like that, even though he's a big deal. And the, the script doesn't lend him to any heroics or, you know, impassioned speech. Uh, he's just not the guy of this film, but he's still good in it. Yeah. Now well, tell everyone what's going on, Mike. I was about to, Carl, but you, you, were, you spoke up. I'm oh, so I, sorry. I, I always. I know. Sorry, that. we could switch the route back. You saw the movie. If you want to do I it, I, I yeah. All right. No, I saw it one time. Okay. All I know is he is now discovering the cache of smuggled alcohol. Right. That's okay. what I know. You, okay, you're gonna have to let me let me lead this. Okay, Carl. Yes, please. Okay, and if if I pause or my timing is off, trust me. Just let me give me that that extra beat. Okay. You got it. You don't have to step on it. Also. Maybe you could shave once in a while. <laughs> okay. Yes, boss. Okay, boss. I will do it. All right. No, I'm I'm ugly. I always hate bosses like that. Did I ever tell you the time I had? A, we'll get back to this movie. He's basically telling her that they're smuggling booze, and they they get it. They get it in the net, and they bring it over, and it's been going on for ages. And they have like a backlog and all this shit. So I had I had a a show at a deli. And the boss like, here, come here, come into my office. Now I don't work there, so but I'm right, going into right. the boss's office. Right. 